You're listening to The Philip Jordan Show. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philip Jordan Show. I am your host, Philip Jordan, in studio host and producer of Thousand Woods Football, a nice six point nine, the legend and Auburn writer for last word on college football. Got a special edition of the podcast today. We are previewing Super Bowl fifty eight between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. You listen to this on a Thursday, and the game is a Sunday on CBS five thirty between these two teams to find out who is the best team in the NFL for the 2023 NFL season. I'm not alone. I'm going to have two guests covering both sides. And then at the end, I'll give you my thoughts of who I think is going to win the game. And that has been a tug and pull uh, for me uh, this past week and a half, trying to figure out who I want to pick between the 49ers and the Chiefs because I'm telling you, Depending on what time of the day you ask me, I may have a different answer uh, with that question. One moment I may be leaning cheese, one minute I may be leaning 49ers. So uh, we'll dissect all of that here on the show. And I have some two great guests, two guys I'm going to have on to break down these two teams. Uh, Jeff Fadoten, he covers the Kansas City Chiefs over there for Forbes Sports, also co-host of the Believe in Chiefs podcast. So he'll be on first. We'll chat with him. And then uh, guy, I've been on his show a lot, and he's never been on mine. I figured this was uh, a good time for him to come over. Uh, Richard Holdridge, you can check him out on his show, The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I've been on his show plenty of times. He's up in the Columbus area. Uh, he's a 49ers fan, too, and uh, he's from that area. So uh, we will chat with him about the 49ers side of things, and then I will uh, give my thoughts on the game. So that is today's show, nothing but Super Bowl conversation. I like to call this more of a special edition of the show. But, uh, yeah, let's jump into it. Uh, we're going to play a, a little thing here for you, and then we're going to uh, jump into it with Jeff Fido from Believe in Chiefs. You can check out the Philip Jordan Show podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of this show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight up hater. You can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Everybody joining me on the show first up here, previewing the Kansas City Chiefs side of the Super Bowl for this Sunday on CBS. Uh, is, joining me is Jeff Fadoten. You can check out his written work over at Forbes Sports, where he covers the Chiefs, and also the Believe in Chiefs podcast. And Jeff, uh, we talked in preseason, and now we're talking uh, the week of the Super Bowl. I uh, appreciate you taking some time out, coming uh, and chat with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, began the season, ended the season together. Always fun being on your show, man. Oh, yeah, great to have you on, great to have you on. And just, I don't know, this Chiefs season was uh, a different one than what Chiefs fans are used to. Did not go into the playoffs with the number one seed. Uh, of course, a big deal was made of Patrick Mahomes, first time going on the road in the playoffs. Just, you know, obviously the expectation is to be in the Super Bowl every year with the Chief, with this Chiefs team, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, this group. They expect championships. Uh, but still, going into the playoffs, any surprise that they made it here, or was there any concerns just when they entered the playoffs, just kind of how the way the regular season went? Absolutely, and and especially given the tough path, having to play a really hot Buffalo team um, in Buffalo, I I didn't I would I didn't think they'd win that game, and I maybe the the team that was playing the best or most talented team in football having to go on the road in Baltimore. And that's not to mention, I think a game that everyone did think they were going to win, but the wild card weekend game when it's, you know, uh, Arctic temperatures is below 30 degrees, it feels like I'm exaggerating a little bit against a talented Dolphins team. So, yeah, there were a lot of question marks uh, for sure. And and obviously going into the playoffs again, like I said, the Miami game, I kind of felt like Miami, uh, they would beat Miami just because I don't think Miami plays good against good teams. That's just right. – uh, the only good thing they beat was Dallas, but I think Miami and Dallas were like, if you put a mirror in one of them, you see this, if they're of, uh, of each other. And shrinking in the biggest moments. I'm with you, Bill. Yeah. Um, Travis Kelsey, you know, he's been 
really big in these playoffs and we know his talent um obviously on the field but he had, he had issues with drops as well this year. That was surprising. We know there were other the receivers had those issues, but Travis Kelsey had some issues this year. But he's really stepped up in these playoffs. What, what have you seen maybe a little bit different with Travis Kelsey in the playoffs versus what we saw in the regular season? You know, Patrick Mahomes is saying that he's a guy who, when the lights are the brightest, that's when he steps up. And given that that he has that playoff record that he broke of, of Jerry Rice of the most – touchdown you know the most touchdowns from quarterback to tight end um or excuse me quarterback to any kind of receiver just shows that that is the case of course he's played in a lot of postseason games but has played well so that's that's part of it i think phil uh patrick mahomes is also talking about this i think kelsey he struggled i struggled by his standards which is arguably the best tight end of all time in the nfl um I, I think he was kind of banged up. You know, he missed week one with a knee injury, um, and, and he kind of sprained an ankle, played through it against the Vikings. I think he was really banged up. I think he had that week off, um, the final week of the season, and I think he was rejuvenated physically and mentally, just even the way he's known for celebrating and dancing in the end zone. We didn't see that this year in the in the, in the playoffs. You saw him. He was certainly animated uh, against – in, against the Ravens the week before against the Bills making the heart sign, you know, with his hands. Um, yeah, so I think he is very rejuvenated and looks like the Travis Kelsey of old now. Yeah, he does. And look, when you're when you're passing Jerry Rice in anything, that's all time great. Yeah, you know, for the longest and another Kansas City Chief, Tony Gonzalez, I, I kinda had I was a lot of people, I know a lot of people viewed him as the greatest tight end or obviously up there because he had that career where he was consistent for a long time. It wasn't just like a small group of years. I mean, he was into his 30s. And then in the years with the Falcons, he was really good. Kelsey's getting up there in that. Uh, I guess he's now at the tight end position. Everybody's forgotten about Tony Gonzalez a little bit, what he did in Kansas City. And now, Kelsey, of course, the championships obviously matter too. But still, the all-time status of Kelsey is just growing and growing. Totally. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've, I've had an opportunity to speak to both Tony Gonzalez and Travis Kelsey about that legacy. And they're they're friendly. They're not, not like best friends, but they're friendly. They'll text back and forth. And when uh, Tony Gonzalez is in KC for those Amazon games, they'll try and meet up. Doesn't uh, Tony Gonzalez joke that Kelsey wanted him to come to his after party? And Gonzalez, who's now in his 40s, is like, yeah, I'm not, I, I, I don't quite have the energy anymore. But, um, but it's, it's really cool that Kelsey continues to call Gonzalez the best and the best Chiefs tight end. And similarly, um, uh, Gonzalez like, jokes that he's he's not one of these old men who's like, oh, I want to keep my records. He's like, go for it, young buck. I want you to, to smash all my records. So there's a lot of mutual respect. And Tony Gonzalez was outstanding, just his consistency and how long he played. I think there's a great case to be made that Travis Kelsey is – the best tight end of all time, but he still might not approach Gonzalez's numbers because he was doing it until his late thirties and doing it at such a high level, but he's certainly got a chance to do to break those. Yeah. And of course me being here in Alabama, we get a lot of, especially when the Falcons are just competitive, we get a lot of Falcons games. So uh -huh. I do remember getting to see a lot more Tony Gonzalez toward his later career, just the, the regional aspect of who we get here. Right. With them. So he was still putting up big numbers while exactly. we went to Atlanta. The AFC championship game, go into that. Just what did you see uh, defensively out of Kansas City going against, against Lamar Jackson? A lot of people, I think, have focused in on the mistakes that the Ravens made, but I feel like, you know, the Chiefs did force some of those, not the interception into triple covers, but still defensively. What, what did you see that maybe they did to Lamar Jackson in that game? Yeah, they, and they they blissed him a lot. They've done this. Mm -hmm. The Chiefs' defense has been great all year, and they blissed Jackson a lot, had a lot of success with that. Uh, Coach Spaggs is a really aggressive defensive coordinator. He likes to blitz. He likes exotic blitzes coming from all sorts of different places. And what's been um, the case all year is the cornerbacks are really good. Uh, Legereus Sneed always takes the number one receiver. Um, he hadn't given up a touchdown until – the playoff game against the Bills, and he's excellent. Trent McDuffie is excellent as a slot corner. So when you have you know those guys locking down receivers, then you can really do whatever you want with blitzing guys. You don't have to worry about um, you know the coverage issues. It, it gives 
a lot of kind of liberties to Spags when he's calling the defense. So that helped. They blitzed a lot. And, yeah, I, I do think you're right. The, the Ravens have have absolutely – I don't understand their game plan, and they deserve some blame for that. But the Chiefs obviously deserve some credit. I don't care what the game plan is. They basically held an excellent Ravens offense to one score until they scored a, a field goal with about you know three minutes left. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And the defense has been – Really good uh, all year long. That's been through the ups and downs of the Chiefs season. The, the defense has obviously been very consistent. Yeah. Well, Jerry Sneed made sure that uh, Zay Flowers was not going to score that touchdown. Right. Uh, Play the game. Yeah. Yeah, it really was because at that point it was 17 7. They scored that touchdown. I mean, it's, you know, we're looking at a different football game at that totally. point. And I agree with you. I, I just don't feel like Baltimore ran Lamar Jackson enough on design runs. I, I think pretty much all his runs mostly was scrambles uh, when he caught when he called his own pass. But I, I mean, I, I get it. He wants to be a better passer, and you want to, you know, Todd Monk can obviously I saw a lot of him with Georgia being out here in SEC country. But still, I, I just don't feel like they ran Lamar Jackson enough on design runs. A hundred percent. I I vented on this on our believe. Uh, in Chiefs podcast for this week with uh, Joe Valerio, former Chiefs player. I did not understand what the Ravens were doing. Not enough design Lamar runs and not enough run, runs to the running backs. Gus mm-hmm. Edwards, three carries. Ju- Justice Hill, um, three carries. So they had six total carries to the running back. And it's not like the, the score margin was ever that great. I mean, it was a, a really a 10-point a game for, so for the majority of the contest. So Really don't understand that. Um, just just six carries is just inexplicable. And to, to go further, this we've talked about the Chiefs' defense. It, it's it's great. It's the strength of the team this year. But if it does have a weakness, it's actually its run defense. They were gashed for hundred more than one hundred eighty yards by the Bills the week before. It's like that. Don't have Lamar drop back and throw against these great corners and this great bliss game that we just talked about. Have him um, have the Ravens run the ball. So uh, let's look into this matchup for this Sunday between the Chiefs and the 49ers. You talked about that run defense. Obviously, that's what the 49ers – it's not what they, they should want to do. Sometimes they uh, – I think they go past heavy to it, especially against the Packers. They got away from that in the first half, second half with uh, Christian McCaffrey. And then in the second half there against the Lions, uh, Brock Purdy was a big part of their run game. Uh, how do you see that matchup working out for the Chiefs against their defense against the 49ers offense? You know, I wrote about this um, uh, Monday of uh, Super Bowl week here for Forbes because I think this is, might be the key part of the game, um, that that how the Chiefs' run defense holds up against uh, McCaffrey and the 49ers' uh, run. I, I, I think there, there's a chance. I, I think the Chiefs will win the game. I've learned my lesson of, of, of in big games thinking that Mahomes and Reed will not. Like, I think I got you got to think that they're going to find a way to come out on top. But that, this is a tough matchup for the Chiefs. We just mentioned run defense is a bit of their, their weakness defensively. They're going to be without Derek Nottie, a starting defensive tackle. They're going to be without Charles Amenehu, a former 49er, on the defensive line. So they're, they're down two guys against, you know, going back to the Denver days, the Shanahan's are known for, for their ability in the run game to for creative schemes, good schemes there. So, um, yeah, that's that's going to be a, a challenge. I think that's the game right there. And the Niners have a chance. They absolutely have a chance because of that potential mismatch. Especially if they get down big or get down or don't play well in the first half. So, apparently, that's been their their MO in these two playoff games, yeah. too. The Packers, I mean, yeah, they were up 7-6, but Green Bay moved the ball off and down the field. Green Bay dominated the first half. Green Bay should have had a bigger lead for, at halftime. And, then, of course, the Lions blowing the 24-7 lead. I, I just feel like if they do that against Kansas City, it's not going to be the same. A hundred percent. They show, you know, was, in a way, the Niners kind of showed something that it's like, they had that stat where you know they were with their trailing and they were they were oh in like eight thousand. I'm obviously exaggerating, but like um, but but yeah. that that was kind of their mo. So they showed something, which is is a great to know going into this Super Bowl that Brock Purdy can do that. But, but I agree against this team against this Chiefs. I I don't think that's going to work. I think they have to play from ahead or at least you know be within the game. They, if it's a you know uh, a workable margin, they can't they can't go. They will lose the game if they they are trailing by certainly as much as they did in the Lions game. 
Yeah, looking at the Chiefs' offense versus the 49ers' defense, because when you look at the players that are on this 49ers' defense, the stars, I mean, up front, Nick Bosa and Chase Young, which I really don't feel like they really get after quarterback like you think those guys right. would. And then the linebackers, Fred Warner and, you know, Dre Greenlaw, two superstars as well there. But if you, you know, like watching these two games with the 49ers against the Packers, the Packers found some some wide open space with receivers, and Aaron Jones had a good day on the ground. And then we saw last week, you know, in the NFC Championship game, the Lions had success, particularly obviously in the first half, getting up 24 to 7. I, I still think they had some success. They just had some blunders offensively trying to keep that lead when the 49ers made their comeback. So there's there's some opportunities here for the Chiefs to make some big plays offensively if the 49ers are going, are going to do what they did in previous playoff matchups. Absolutely. We just talked about the issues with the Chiefs' run defense. Now, during the season, the 49ers' run defense was ranked pretty high, but as you mentioned, the playoffs against both the Lions and the Packers, they weren't great, and the Chiefs have an opportunity to exploit that. Their interior three linemen are really good and really good run blockers. We're talking Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, um, Joe Tooney. We don't know his his prognosis, but even if he doesn't play, Nick Allegretti is a really good backup. He started for them. He started for them in Super Bowls before. So and. Uh, Pacheco runs really hard. He was a little banged up going into the AFC Championship game, but he now has, you know, has had two weeks to to rest up. So yeah, that's absolutely an issue. If if the Niners don't, if they play the run like they did against the Packers and the Lions, they're going to lose this game. That's the the Chiefs have too many other good things going for them. If Pacheco is running wild to the degree that um, that you know Aaron Jones and, and the Lions running backs did, yeah, that's going to be trouble. For sure. Yeah, I feel like Pacheco is like one of those unsung heroes of this Chiefs team. He doesn't get a lot of praise, but a lot of times you look at the stats, he's he's got solid numbers week in, week out. Obviously, he's not just a running back. He's a threat in the passing mm-hmm. game as well. He doesn't get a lot of mention, but kind of an unsung hero here for Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely, and he runs so hard. Everyone talks about that. He gives energy. A lot of times when the Chiefs were scuffling on offense, you'd see them come out of the – there's something to look for. The Chiefs do kind of scuffle the first half offensively. The chances are um, they're going to begin the second half with a run, a couple runs to Pacheco. It kind of gets the offense going. Kind of funny. You look at these these seventh round picks: Isaiah Pacheco, Brock Purdy. Uh, <laughs> who, who would think that these guys would be such impact players? But uh, they're two of the keys, obviously. You know, uh, in this game. Yeah, uh, you know, we got a, a Big Twelve quarterback uh, matchup here: Texas Tech <laughs> versus Iowa State. Uh, who would who would have thought between uh, Brock Purdy and uh, Patrick Mahomes? And we really haven't talked about Patrick Mahomes a lot. It's just you know, I guess it's just one of the things like he's putting up great numbers. He's played fantastic here in the playoffs, but it's obviously the Chiefs' offense is different than what we used to see in years past, where they were all over the place. Of course, that was the Tyree Kills day. They is just like, hey, take what defense give me. Travis Kelsey's getting open, feed him the ball. It's just been a very efficient performance from Patrick Mahomes. He's always been obviously outstanding, the kind of the best in the game since he's um, been a starter, but he's really matured a lot. Um, while, while his numbers weren't as flashy, maybe even his play wasn't as good this year, what I mean by he's matured, you 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 talked about it, is that he knows he has a really good defense. You saw him throw in the wild card game against the Dolphins. It was super cold. The, the Dolphins weren't moving on offense. Anything that wasn't really available, he just threw it away, which is the smart play. Just live to play in, uh, another down. And again, he's he's embraced being a little bit more conservative. That he he can win that way. He doesn't. He can obviously win being a gunslinger and throwing fifty passes a game, but he's showing that he can just do what he needs to do a little bit more Tom Brady like, you know, to get the win. That just shows how he's grown as a player. Yeah, and I was about to bring that up because of course after Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes has taken that baton as the best quarterback in the league. The guy that we're looking at right now is there somebody that's going to knock Brady off that goat status is is Patrick Mahomes the way his career's going. And you're right, because there were years with Tom Brady. Yeah, they, the Patriots were throwing the ball all over the place, the Randy Moss years, but also he knew, hey, Bill Belichick's defenses were usually pretty good. I can play to that too as well. That shows a quarterback where you're able to adjust to what your team needs you to be and not what you want to be. Exactly, exactly. That growth there, 100% agree, Philip. So uh, you, you alluded to it uh, about uh, where you're going uh, with this uh, with this game prediction, but any, any uh, score prediction or any final thoughts on the Chiefs side of the the Super Bowl? 
Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Chiefs 23-20. Um, but again, a real close game. Uh, I I can't like I've learned. I actually picked Bills and Ravens to win the last two <laughs> games, and I've, I've learned my lesson. The Chiefs are just so smart to keep their composure in the biggest moments. But it's it's a real tough game. The Niners are a really good team. We mentioned ways that they can. I, I know the Niners are favored, but I think most people think they're kind of the underdog. But there's 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 definitely um, a lot of paths that they could spring this quote-unquote upset, if you want to call it that. But I'm going Chiefs 23-20 uh, in, a, in a very close, very good uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, it uh, should be a good one. I think a lot of people are going to be like you that have picked against the Chiefs the last couple yeah. games are going to say not do that, but uh, it's going to be a fun game. This is a fun conversation, Jeff. Appreciate you coming on to break down the Kansas City Chiefs side of the Super Bowl. If the listeners or viewers want to check you out, where can they find you? Yeah, um, you can check out all my writing from the, the Super Bowl here in, in Vegas at Forbes.com. You can search my name, F-E-D-O-T-I-N, that's Fedotin. And check out Believe in Chiefs, B-L-E-A-V, in Chiefs. That's the podcast I do with former um, Chiefs office alignment. He used to catch touchdowns uh, from Joe Montana as an eligible receiver, so kind of a cult hero back in Kansas City. All right, everybody go check out check out the written work, check out the podcast uh, there with Jeff. And Jeff, appreciate the time and uh, look forward when we get to this again sometime down the road. Thanks so much, Philip. All right, everybody, now it is time to preview the 49ers side of the Super Bowl for this Sunday. And joining me, and it's been a long time coming uh, to have this guy on my show. I think I've been on Richard's show probably about a thousand times. Uh, this is the first time coming over here. Of course, you can listen to Richard every single day on the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Also, check out the Georgia-Alabama Sports Live. They're on Facebook. They're all over the place covering uh, sports, Georgia and Alabama, high school sports and all the good stuff. But, uh, Richard, I appreciate you coming on the show. Like I said, I'm used to coming on your show, so we've kind of we've swapped uh, roles here uh, when we have our, our sports conversations. I appreciate it, Philip. Thank you so much for letting me be on your show. I'm ready to talk football. It's Super Bowl week. I'm excited. You know, this is really one of my favorite times of the year, the Super Bowl. Just, I, I know a lot of people, and I'm not really a big pregame show guy, but I will be Super Bowl Sunday. I, I like intake all because one, it's the end of the football season, end of the uh, traditional football season. Let me just just say that uh, we know it's coming up down the road, but. It, you know, it's, it's a big week, but, you know, tell me, you know, this since is your first time coming on my show, so my audience getting to know you, I do always share it out when I go on yours. Um, you're in Columbus, but you're 49ers fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, what's the origins of that? Of course. Uh, I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I've always wanted to be a broadcaster ever since I was a little kid, just being in front of the TV and just memorizing the jersey numbers And uh, I actually started out as a sports writer in high school, wrote for the high school newspaper, Uh, always lived in a big market. Columbus is the smallest market that I have been in. So I knew that I could thrive and and pretty much do whatever I want when it comes to broadcasting. Uh, But I actually took a little bit of a break because I'm also in the military. I deployed a couple of times. Uh, I went to the Defense Information School for military broadcasting. So I did that for eight years. And... uh, I was a broadcasting major in college. Uh, I'm really aging myself here because it was 20 years ago. I was the main play-by-play guy for baseball, filled in for basketball, and and I loved doing sports talk radio and and took a very long break. And then right around 2020, it was pre-COVID, 95.7 ESPN Radio in Columbus had a radio contest trying to look for their next guest host. And... I had a couple of auditions, and I absolutely fell in love with it, and that's when I started my podcast, The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I've done it for four years now, and I've had almost, I'm getting close to my 800th episode. I've had about 70, 80 guests. I mean, I've had a lot of guests. I mean, you've been on, I, I got to count, but you've been on at least 20, 30 times. I mean, I, I always appreciate you coming on my show, and, and we always have a good time talking and uh, I just love what you do, Philip. And uh, really, we were talking about like we're kind of in different sports markets. You got the Wiregrass area covered down in Dothan, Alabama. But sometimes our paths will cross. Like in high school football when Dothan plays Central or Smith Station or Auburn, you know, I got you covered. And I, I just enjoy just talking sports with you as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think that's kind of like how I think we came across each other. I think I think I saw you on Facebook. You popped up, and I said, "Oh, okay, this is the guy that covers one of the teams." I know Dothan's playing. Uh, I think you were doing some Smith Station games, or it was Central Phoenix City or Auburn. You know, you were covering them, talking about them or whatever. So I think that's kind of how our you know our paths cross. So hey, the crazy thing about high school football in Alabama. Uh, introduce us to each other. Uh, what's your favorite sport to uh, broadcast, though? Well, by far, it has to be baseball. I mean, I love all the sports. In fact, I got into play-by-play two years ago when the new indoor soccer team for Columbus, the Columbus Rapids, came into existence, and I was offered the play-by-play job. And I'm not really a soccer guy, but I'm a play-by-play guy, and I can make any sport sound interesting uh, but when I was in college, I just, I love the game. I mean, I could actually do a lot of filler, like between pitches, I can paint a picture and tell you a story. I, I'm like a, a sports historian, and, and that's what I love doing is just telling the story of sports. And, and being in Columbus, I'm proud to be in Columbus. I've lived in Columbus since 2015. There's a lot of history in this city, and I just want to tell that story and share it to uh, other lovers of sports history. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, football is my main one, but you know, a lot of guys, I asked that baseball is, it's a lot of times to go to for a lot of people. Um, but let's, uh, let's jump to this game. Uh, the 49ers and the Chiefs, of course, everybody just heard uh, me chat with Jeff Fedoten who covers the Chiefs for believe in fours, but uh, the 49ers side thing. And he just, when I look at this game, uh, I'm not tipping my hat for anybody out there wanting to know. As of this, we're, we're talking right now. I told Richard this off here. I still don't know who I'm picking. I, I cannot <laughs> make up my mind. But obviously, though, and I don't, well, maybe not obviously, but if you look at these two rosters on paper, I think the 49ers are the more talented team overall. Just they're loaded with talent. Of course, Brock Purdy at quarterback. Well, look, we know – He's not the most talented quarterback in this matchup. Anybody, 49ers fan, a neutral fan, would say, you know, Patrick Mahomes is, you know, that, that's the guy. But you look at what they have on this roster Christian McCaffrey at running back, receivers, Brent Ayuk and Debo Samuel. I take those over any of the Chiefs wide receivers. George Kittle. Now, I know Kelsey has played great in the playoffs. I take George uh, Kittle in the regular season over Travis Kelsey this year. Mm-hmm. Defensively, linebackers, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner up front. Chase Young, Nick Bosa, but uh, just, you know, before we kind of just like dive into the actual matchup, the Chiefs and the 49ers, just what's kind of been like your overall thoughts and opinions of this 49ers team for this season? Well, they haven't played their best football. In fact, watching those two playoff games against Green Bay and Detroit, uh, it got me nervous and I was actually very upset by the way they played and saw your Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love, just moved the ball up and down on the field against the 49ers, and the Packers should have won that game. The 49ers got lucky, and uh, they, once again, NFC Championship, they're down 24-7. to Detroit just completely dominates them in that first half. Uh, you can't do that in the Super Bowl because Kansas City is going to make you pay. Uh, even though I think the 49ers have not played their best, there was a stretch in the regular season when they beat the Cowboys 42-10, to when they demolished the Eagles. I mean, when they, when they beat the Steelers opening day, that I said, yeah, I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. They're playing the best right now, but there's been some inconsistency when they've had injuries, when Trent Williams is out. They're not the same team. You saw in that Green Bay game when Debo Samuel went out, they're not the same team. That is going to be the X factor. There is not a receiver out there like Debo Samuel. He's a physical, can be a running back. He can do jet sweeps. He can catch for a bubble screen. He can get a three-yard gain and make it into an 11-yard gain because he is hard to tackle. He is physical. He'll go toe-to-toe with that Chiefs defense. And uh, I think Debo Samuel is going to have a great game. But uh, this is really the the matchup I really wanted, Phillip. And the reason why is... Because the 49ers should have won the Super Bowl four years ago. It's like now they get their second shot at the Kansas City Chiefs. They were up 20-10. to 10. They had the ball. Kyle Shanahan got conservative. Patrick Mahomes threw that bomb on that third and 15 to Tyreek Hill. Well, guess what? The Chiefs don't have Tyreek Hill anymore. And then they don't have Sammy Watkins either. He threw a big bomb to Sammy Watkins when he burned Richard Sherman. 
and the Chiefs ended up winning the Super Bowl 31-20. But the 49ers were so close to beating the Chiefs. Are these two teams different four years later? Absolutely. I think the Chiefs have a better defense, but the 49ers have better weapons on offense than they did four years ago. Yeah, you know, you talk about that Packers game, and you really saw the importance of Debo Samuel in that game. And I remember watching the NFC Championship game, on, and Greg Olson on Fox brought up a point I didn't really think about, and it was really a, a great piece of information he gave the audience that Kyle Shanahan talked about how when Debo Samuel went out, pretty much half the playbook, 49ers went out the door because they don't have anybody else that can do what he does. So everything that was designed for him, you had to throw it away. So Kyle Shanahan had to come away with, with almost a, probably a new game plan um, from scratch going through the game at halftime. And But you're right, and then they've – They've had these first half struggles. I mean, they were up seven six of Green Bay, but Green Bay was moved the ball on them, you know, settled for field goals and didn't go for field goal one time. And then you said last the last game, Detroit Lions, twenty four to seven. Richard, I ain't gonna lie to you. I was watching the game at my parents' house. I left at halftime, came back to my apartment. I thought it was over. Twenty four to seven. I but then I walk into the apartment. I turn the TV and it's twenty four to seventeen. I'm like, what? What's going on here? Um, you're right. They can't do that. But what's been up with this rush defense with the Forty ers That's been a struggle. Uh, One thirty six get the Packers. Aaron Jones had a big day there, and then against the Lions, who's really not a dominant run team. They're solid, but they're more you know it's more Jared Goff. The passing game they had one eighty two. And that's kind of concerning because with the Kansas City Chiefs, they they want to go with Isaiah Pacheco, who I think is an unsung hero for the Chiefs. Doesn't get a lot, getting talked about a lot. So what what do you what has been up with that 49ers run defense? That 49ers run defense has really been the biggest mystery because seeing Aaron Jones and seeing David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs just gash holes. And maybe it's because the offensive line is dominating the line of scrimmage and they are building holes and, and getting Aaron Jones getting big eight, nine-yard runs a carry. Same with the Lions running backs. And I could see Isaiah Pacheco doing that if the 49ers do not fix that defense because the 49ers defense that I saw in the regular season has really been inconsistent. There are times where they look like the dominant defense from 2019, but then you see what they have done against some of these teams. I mean, they played amazing against the Dallas Cowboys in the regular season, 42 to 10. It was just just a mismatch because the things that they did well, the Cowboys don't do well. Uh, but they have been very inconsistent all year. You remember the three-game stretch where, you know, Brock Purdy trying to come back and try to win on the road against Cleveland. They end up losing because Jake Moody misses a field goal, losing to the Vikings when Kirk Cousins just torched that defense. And then when Joe Burrow came into Levi Stadium and Brock Purdy was going toe-to-toe with Joe Burrow when he was healthy for the Bengals, they had no answer. Joe Joe Burrow just torch the 49ers defense and that's something they need to fix and I don't know if it has something to do with the defensive coordinator they did make the move moving Steve Wilkes from the press box down to the sideline Uh, Chase Young has got to show up Uh, he's been quitting on plays they've been talking about possibly benching him I think that Chase Young has been a disappointment I mean they're finally getting Eric Armstead healthy uh, I like what Javon Kinlaw's doing. Javon Hargrave has been a free agent acquisition from the Philadelphia Eagles, but really it starts with Nick Bosa. I mean, he had two sacks, two big sacks in the playoffs against the Detroit Lions. Uh, Bosa needs to get in the backfield to sack Patrick Mahomes, which is very hard to do because you see Patrick Mahomes escape out of sacks and throw it left-handed and throw it sidearm and doing a jump pass. And, it, you know, he is just a magician when he's outside of the pocket. And if the 49ers want to win this Super Bowl, uh, Patrick Mahomes can't be making those wow plays. I mean, it really needs to be the other way around. It needs to be Brock Purdy that steps up and makes those wow plays if the 49ers want to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, talking about Brock Purdy, too. I mean, I've mentioned a couple times in this conversation. I mean, obviously he is the second-best quarterback uh, in this game. I mean, I, I don't think most people will agree with that. But he has been clutch in these two playoff games at the end of the games. I mean, the great drive to get the lead. 
uh, against the Packers toward the end. And then uh, what I really liked, what the 49ers did with him, you know, you talked about a few years ago when these two teams met. Well, we knew Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't a threat to run the ball. Just he was going to sit in the pocket and throw it. That's just what he is. That's what he was. Brock Purdy had like 50 yards rushing against the Lions, and they and it wasn't like they were scrambles. They were designed run plays. And I would like to kind of see if they do a little bit more of that against the Chiefs because that's an element of his game we haven't really seen a lot of. Well, you're right. Brock Purdy gives the 49ers a different element that they didn't have with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that Brock Purdy is a better thrower of the football. He's more accurate. He, he actually can run better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And this has been an upgrade at quarterback for the 49ers. Uh, I've actually said on my podcast that Brock Purdy does win a Super Bowl. He'll go down as the number three all-time quarterback in 49ers history uh, behind Joe Montana and Steve Young. I mean, I honestly feel that the 49ers found their franchise quarterback. I know that there's been a lot of criticism because he was Mr. Irrelevant, that he was the last pick taken in the 2022 NFL draft. But I'm here to say, I mean, Brock Purdy has proven all the naysayers not only by being 4-1 in the postseason, but winning the playoff games this year and getting the 49ers to the Super Bowl. And I know that there's talks that the 49ers could lose this Super Bowl because of Brock Purdy. I think the 49ers can win the Super Bowl because Brock Purdy does something special in this game. And uh, I think that he is going to silence some critics. But uh, we shall see. The 49ers do have a very talented team. I do think it can go the other way. I think that Brock Purdy could have one of his worst games. I mean, it, like, take it back to Christmas. 49ers are playing the Baltimore Ravens. Brock Purdy throws four interceptions. Well, the MVP talks completely go away. But you got to remember, yeah, he did make some mistakes in that game. But two of those interceptions were tipped. And that's because the Baltimore Ravens defense was playing lights out. This Chiefs defense can play lights out. The 49ers are going to have to make adjustments. You cannot allow Chris Jones to get in that backfield. I see him getting in the backfield because, you know, that right side of the O-line for the 49ers is a little weak. I mean, Colton McKivitz, he's okay, but he's, he's not what Trent Williams is on the other side. And Chris Jones has been the most clutch defender in the Super Bowl, I mean, I go back to four years ago when the 49ers were trying to score. Like, they were they were up 20-17 to 17 in the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo goes into a play action, and Chris Jones bats it down. I mean, that's how valuable Chris Jones is. And uh, he could be the difference in the Super Bowl. But uh, it's going to come down to Brock Purdy making plays and uh, making sure that Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, they, they get touches. Brandon Ayuk, I mean, I really like the weapons. George Kittle. I really like the weapons for the 49ers, uh, but it's going to be just an exciting game, and, and we'll see how the two quarterbacks will uh, face off. Yeah, Chris Jones, 10 and a half sacks this year, and I was about to bring up you know, Christian McCaffrey. Because it does feel like, too, uh, in the playoffs a little bit uh, with the 49ers, they kind of got a little too pass-happy at times, especially against the Packers. But when they do kind of get back to who they are and Christian McCaffrey and running the ball and then everything just works off of him, I think uh, I think Kyle Shanahan likes to call Debo Samuel the wide back. Like he's mm-hmm. not a receiver, he's not a running back. He's a mixture of the two. Uh, so, but that, the, the Christian McCaffrey part is going to be huge for San Francisco because Kansas City's got the number two defense, but their weakness is a run game, which was questionable to me. With the Ravens did not capitalize on that in the AFC Championship game, they were throwing a little bit too much, in my opinion. So, the, you know, getting that run game going is going to be big for the 49ers. Yeah, one thing that the Kansas City Chiefs have, they have a very good secondary. If they're able to stop the run, I'm talking Christian McCaffrey gets like two, three yards of carry, and you force the 49ers to get into a third and long situation, I would say advantage Chiefs. They can get the 49ers off the field. But if the 49ers have success running the football, that's going to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. The 49ers want to control the time of possession in this game. They don't want to allow Patrick Mahomes to get drives because even if Patrick Mahomes is down by two scores, he can get his team back just in a blink of an eye. Although I still am not 100% sold on the receiving core, 
that Patrick Mahomes has, with the exception of Travis Kelsey. He was big in that AFC championship against Baltimore. But Rasheed Rice, he's a rookie. He could be a number one someday. I still think he's got a lot to learn. Kadarius Toney, I don't trust him in big game situations. He's uh, dropped a lot of passes this year. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, same thing. He has dropped a lot of passes this year. Uh, I'm not a believer. I'm not sold on the Chiefs uh, receiving core. Uh, but if there's anybody that can make the receiving core look good, it is Patrick Mahomes. Remember last year when they won the Super Bowl, their number one receiver was Juju Smith-Schuster. And uh, Patrick Mahomes proved last year that the Chiefs didn't need Tyreek Hill. And uh, I, I think that he is going to have an amazing game uh, this year, especially just with the way he extends plays. And uh, the 49ers have got to be on their heels. I mean, because this is – this could be a game where Patrick Mahomes ends up taking over, but uh, the 49ers need to make sure that that doesn't happen. So uh, we've, we've broke this game down. We talked about the 49ers, Brock Purdy, all of it, the big names. Uh, what is your prediction for Super Bowl 58 on Sunday? Well, I could easily go with my heart. You know, a lifelong San Francisco 49ers fan since I was a kid. Uh, I witnessed them win five Super Bowls. Uh, would love to see them win their sixth Super Bowl. And uh, I actually believe, because they are the favorites, uh, that they are going to figure it out, even though they played terrible their last two playoff games. I think that Kyle Shanahan is going to get them ready. Uh, I love the matchup between Kyle Shanahan going up against Andy Reid. Uh, I don't think the blowing leads in Super Bowls is going to haunt Kyle Shanahan. The 49ers are the better team, even though the Chiefs have the better quarterback. Uh, and the Chiefs are beatable. This is probably the best shot you're going to get on the Kansas City Chiefs because this is not their most talented team in the Super Bowl. I'm going to say that the 49ers win this game, but it is going to be very close. I'm I'm going to say it's going to be 28 to 27, um, as they're probably going to win it on you know Brock Purdy. Has, has the ball last. I, th I think that toward that fourth quarter, I mean, I think the defense is going to uh, control the first half. You're going to see a lot of stops. You'll probably see like a 14-13 game at halftime. Uh, but I, I think that the last couple of drives, it's going to be an exciting Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is going to go down and score. And then uh, I think whoever has the ball last is going to win the Super Bowl. But And I, I expect that to be Brock Purdy. And I'm picking the 49ers, beating the Chiefs 28-27 to to uh, give the San Francisco 49ers their sixth Super Bowl in franchise history. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picking that. But I, I could understand why a lot of people are picking the Chiefs. And, you know, if, if the Chiefs do win, I mean, obviously they're the dynasty. They're the team of the 2020s. It's just because they've been here before. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be picking the 49ers in this game. Yeah, that would be number six, as you said, tied with the Steelers and the Patriots, uh, which uh, Tom Brady gets credit for all those over there in New England. Oh, yeah. uh, but it's going to be fun. I think either way, uh, all the predictions look like this is going to be a close game. Uh, so it should be a fun game. Uh, been fun having you on, Richard. Like I yeah, said, this you. was long overdue. Uh, having you on my show uh, after all the times I've come over. Uh, I've been on yours, but uh, if the listeners and viewers want to check out where can they find you, uh, where can they check out the sports beat? Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at sports Richard H. Uh, you could also like my Facebook page. Just type in the sports beat with Richard Holdridge. You could also listen to me on WQEE 99.1 FM out of Noonan, Georgia, Mondays through Fridays from 2 to 3. You can listen online on WQEE's Facebook page. And you can also subscribe to my uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. It's called The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I've been doing it for four years. I've had some incredible guests, and uh, I'm approaching my 800th episode, a huge milestone. And uh, I also do a lot of stuff with Georgia Alabama Sports Live. A big shout out to Thrift Behringer. Him and I uh, really live stream a lot of high school uh, sporting events. We had our baseball media day on Sunday, groundbreaking. I mean, we're, we're doing high school baseball media days because uh, high school baseball is just around the corner, and we plan on live streaming some high school baseball as well. 
And uh, so, yeah, I, I stay busy. I, I actually called a basketball game uh, last night. I actually had a night off, but I'm back to the grind. I'm calling basketball uh, tomorrow and Thursday, uh, you know, like the great Josh Pate, who comes out of Columbus, uh, says the grind is a blessing. Uh, you know, I just try to, you know, mimic his work ethic it, it, just to try to get to that level because uh, I don't think anybody was – as good as Josh Pate done it in the Fountain City. I mean, he's he's the best. I mean, I, I'm, I'm here to say, like, his Late Kick podcast, 24-7 Sports, uh, that's how you do it. That's how you grind and just continue working uh, to be as successful as you could possibly be. Yeah, absolutely. He has one of the better shows out there, and so do you, Richard. And uh, you. once again, uh, appreciate the time, and I uh, hope we can do this again sometime down the road. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the next time I can come on. All right, now I'm going to take a one-minute break before I give you my prediction of the Super Bowl. And uh, here's just some cool stuff we got going on over with Wiregrass Daily News and uh, DGS Strategies. 96.9 The Legend is your connection to classic country legends. But Digio Strategies has other options too. News Talk 103.9 is your source for America's top news and entertainment shows like Rick and Bubba in the morning, Glenn Beck from 9 till 11 a.m. and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton middays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Sean Hannity, Lars Larson, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh and others fill your day with the latest news and views from America's top conservative voices. America at night and coast to coast am keep you company and connected throughout the night plus fox news the alabama radio network and wiregrass daily news keep you informed with national international state and local news and with more musical choices like all the hits 1067 kmx today's country 95.5 wtvy and music 1077 digio strategies gives you more choices and more variety listen on air online and on our apps 96.9 the legend is just a beginning all right so the moment you all have been waiting for i had thought about doing this part um in the open but i was like nah let's uh let's go into it uh at the end of the show make you wait so you heard jeff Newton, obviously chiefs and then richard holders picking the 49ers and this has been a hard one for me all week. Usually going into these big games, I have a feel. I have an idea where I think this game could go, who's going to win, and just a confidence level. I don't have this here. Um, whichever team I announce that I'm picking, I, I could very well, when I hit end recording here and publish this podcast, I could very well say, well, I think that's he's going to win. This is, this is tough. So you look at the 49ers, and actually, as I said with Richard, you look at the rosters. You, you can't look at these two rosters and not say, okay, the 49ers are the more talented team. They're the better overall team when you look at all the stars this team has. I mentioned it with Richard. Chris McCaffrey running back. Brandon Ayuk receiver. Also, Debo Samuel. George Kittle at tight end. Defensively, Dre Greenlaw. Fred Warner. Chase Young, which he hasn't played great, but still he's a star. We know that name. Nick Bosa. He's got two sacks. I mean – this team has just got talent all over the field, but they have struggled against the run. And I have picked against the Kansas City Chiefs the last two games, against the Bills and against the Ravens, and that's what's making it hard. And I want to pick the 49ers. They're favored, one-and-a-half points. The over-under is 47-and-a-half in this game. I want to pick the 49ers. I just can't pick against Patrick Mahomes for a third straight game. I just cannot do it. Um, I'm picking the Chiefs to win this, win another Super Bowl, the third title with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It's just I kind of wonder will there be some moments with Brock Purdy that the Super Bowl will be too big for him in his first time in this game. Look, I, I look everybody's got to win their first one sometime, and this could be it for him. He could come in and light it up. It's very possible. And also with the 49ers, the run defense struggling against the Packers and against the Lions, and also the slow starts for the 49ers. Will they come out and get another, have another slow start? I don't think you can recover against the 49ers, against the Chiefs like you did against the Packers, who made a lot of mistakes, and also the Lions, who made a lot of mistakes. Those same mistakes those two teams made, the Chiefs will not make. So, look, as again, 
49ers are better all around, without a doubt. I, I don't have a doubt in mind. The 49ers receivers are better. I think you can argue that George Kittle had a better year than Travis Kelsey. Um, I think the 49ers offensive line is better than the Chiefs. Defensively, they have more overall talent. Now, Chris Jones is probably the best defensive player on the field. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I say they win this game. I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of points. I say the Chiefs win 24-21. to 21. That's going to be my score here. I think the Chiefs will kick a field goal at the end. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes has the ball last. So, I, that's where I'm going to go with. I'm going to go to Kansas City Chiefs. So, We'll we'll come back next week and I'll we'll talk to, we'll talk to you how how much I was wrong. Uh, next week we we'll go to one a week. I know I've been teasing that for the last couple of weeks, but this is the full thing. Next week we're going to one podcast a week until we get to college football season. So that's the deal going on with that. Remember, you can follow me on social media at P Jordan SEC. The podcast is available over at Wiregrass Daily News or wherever you get your podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you're just a straight-up hater. You can watch the show over on my YouTube channel uh, at the Philip Jordan Sports YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell for all notifications, and please leave a comment on the video, and I'll read that on a future edition as well. Uh, also, watch it over to Wiregrass Daily News Facebook page. It'll be there as well. Uh, you can email me at sportstalkphilipjordan at gmail.com. You can also uh, check out all my written work over at Last Word on College Football where I cover the Auburn Tigers. Once again, appreciate Jeff and Doten. Appreciate Richard Holder for coming on the show. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. And uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, like I said, get back to in-state stuff. Scheduled to have former Troy quarterback Brandon Silvers on the show next week. And Orlando sitting on college football rider Matt Marshall will be on next week as well. But anyways, until next week, hope everybody has a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Philip Jordan Show. Subscribe to the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the show over at the Philip Jordan Media YouTube channel. Got a question or topic idea? Email the show at sportstalkphilipjordan at gmail.com. Join us next time for more great football talk.